This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Are you ready? All right, guys. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. And before we get into it with returning champion Matt Stagber of That Works, let's just do a little bit of business, okay? Number one. Total Boat. Total Boat, baby. Totalboat.com. They make adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds, epoxies. And they, they started out doing stuff for boaters and DIYers, and they understand that maker the maker community really could use their products. And um, they are constantly finding ways to use original their original products better, easier to use, more sustainable, less expensive. They tinker with the packaging from time to time to make it more user-friendly, which is great. Actually, one of the things, I get their two-part epoxy, and you do one pump of each, and it's not like enough for 10 knives. It's enough for one knife, which is really great. So uh, they're really thinking about how to make it easier for you guys. They use real-world know-how as separating themselves from giant chemical conglomerates, which sets them apart. I've been using the Total Boat high-performance two-part epoxy for handle scales. I actually love, love, love. Here's how much I love the UV Cure resin uh, set. It's a it's a little tube, uh, and then it has a UV a, a UV like flashlight, and you you apply it, and then you hit it with the UV flashlight, and then uh, it hardens. And here's how much I use it. I just had to replace the batteries because I blew through I blew through all my triple A's to get my to get my epoxy squared away. So go get yourself some of that UV clear clear resin. And if you go to totalboat.com, put in promo code full blast ten, you're gonna get ten percent off. Get the thick set casting epoxy from all them river tables you're planning on making or all them, you know, hybrid handle scales, whatever you got. Guys like Keith Decent, Derek from Malden, Keith Johnson, Keith Mitchell, Jimmy Duresta, they're all using Total Boat. So should you. So go to totalboat.com. Use promo code FULLBLAST10 for 10% off. And even if you don't, go into their Instagram and tell them thank you for sponsoring the podcast. It helps me out a great deal, okay? All right, let's, let's get on with it. Next thing is Axwax, axwax.us. They make all-natural food-safe wax for your axe, for your handles, for your wood, for your steel. I love this stuff. And there, I'm going to give you a little trick what I've been doing lately. is on. I had a couple carbon steel knives. I rubbed a little axe wax on it. Hit it with the heat gun to kind of liquefy it and then wipe it down. I think I saw that from Neil Camomora did that on a video, and I liked it, and I do it, and that's great. So if you go to axwax.us, put put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off all your Axwax, and it's food safe. So if you're making culinary knives, you don't, it's, not, it's one less icky thing you're going to be giving your customers. You know what I'm saying? And if you're in the U.K., go to UKKnifeSupplies.com. Toby's going to take Full Blast 10. If you're in Australia, NordicEdge.com.au is taking Full Blast 10. And if you're in the EU, Keith Colby over at Knife, KnifeMaterial.at is taking uh, Full Blast 10 for 10% off your order. But these, these are all little guys, too. So don't get all cheap with them. Get, them something, get something else, too. Show them that you support the podcast by using that promo code, okay? Next thing, last, uh, not last thing, next thing is AK Interactive. akinteractive.com slash full blast. Andreas Kalani is the man. He is a wonderful person, and he's a small business. Before he became the knife maker that he is, which is impressive, he was in uh, design, marketing for corporations, IT stuff. He built websites. He designed website corporate identities, corporate branding. He knows how to make a website, or he knows how to fix your website, or he knows how to speak your language in regards to the kind of website you want. So if you go to akinteractive.com 
slash full blast, put in the paperwork, fill, in the, fill out the paperwork, he's going to call you and he's going to give you a free estimate on what you need to do. He's going to give you a free consultation. And let's just be clear, you should, if he's going to give you a free consultation, he's a little guy, he don't have a 20 guys working for him. So do yourself a favor and use, use Andreas Kalani because he's going to fix you up. So if you go to akinteractive.com slash full blast, get yourself a good website or get your website fixed. And he is the man, and I appreciate Andreas Kalani very much. He's probably going to be at Blade Show. Go say hello. Tell him that you appreciate the fact that he sponsors your favorite podcast, which is the Full Blast Podcast. Got me? Okay. Last but not least, I have to thank Broadback Ironworks. Uh, Ryan and Vince did me a solid. I was um, I was in the weeds, and I needed to surf as a grinder. I got a hold of Ryan. Ryan says, I'm a, I got you, babe. And he sent me a Surface Grinder, and this thing is insane. It's great. It's super user-friendly, and like all of their ad- attachments. So if you go to BroadbackIronworks.com, definitely get yourself something from them. The adjustable work rest, uh, the Mareco Platin. There's a lot of deals going on right now with, with uh, Broadback. If you listen to Knife Talk, there's a pile of deals coming on uh, for Blade Show. One of the other great things about Broadback, besides the fact that it's so user-friendly and it's so versatile, is they're constantly giving deals around holidays. So if you wanted to get one grinder or if you wanted to get multiple grinders like I got, your Broadback is going to be your number one grinder. It's dynamite. It is the When I have to go do some grinding, I go to the Broadback first. It's just everything about it. Get that VFD, dynamite stuff. comes in. They're, they're giving you the best prices possible. BroadbackIronworks.com. And uh, just tell them thanks for helping me out, okay? <laughs> this is all I want you guys to do. I, you, I want you to tell all my sponsors you appreciate the fact they're sticking with me because they're sticking with me, okay? <laughs> so thank you very much, blah, 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 blah. I'm with you. My guest today is Matt Stagmer. Matt Stagmer is such an interesting character. He is an incredible bladesmith, knife maker, sword maker. He has this YouTube channel with his friend Ilya called That Works over with Chris Cash down in Maryland. He is a long-suffering Baltimore Orioles fan, but that's fine. That's fine. It happens. Hey, we're on a roll. Dude, I tell you what. My wife was there for that last Yankees game. We just got slapped. The Yankees, I I tell you what, we'll talk a little baseball. This (laughs) year for Yankee fans is as much a surprise as for anybody else. Best record in baseball. We're all shocked. Most New Yorkers who are honest are surprised. Huh. What happened between last year and this year, I don't know. I don't know. But it's amazing. They, however, they just got, they just lost a doubleheader. They got smoked by the White Sox in, in Yankee Stadium Double, for the doubleheader. It was not great. Well, being but, an Orioles but, fan these days, I'm usually pretty silent until they win one, and then I'm very vocal. <laughs> I do. I, that is one thing. That's all I, I got. The one thing I love that you do bad is there's not a lot of knife makers who like sports, especially baseball. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? There's I can name uh, Jared Thatcher and I've always wanted to go see uh, because at the co- you know at some point we have to figure out when the Blade Show is playing is is on because it's walking distance from Brave Stadium. Yeah, we have been talking for years about hopefully one day the the Blade Show will be in co- in coordination. With a Braves game, it happened. How much, when two, two years ago, it was crazy. That was, wasn't that COVID? Wasn't that was that canceled? Okay, then Probably. three years ago, and I, it was it couldn't crazy. have been three years ago because I was there. I think I was there. Oh, three there years was ago. one. Really? Was, you could hear it from outside in the parking lot. Like I went out with 
there was a couple day games and then there was a night game on Saturday because I remember I went outside and Ilya wanted to smoke a cigarette and I went out with him and you could hear the stadium. It was like some big series. But that time of year, it wasn't playoffs, I guess. Actually, But it was a big series and you could hear it and it was crazy. No, it, was, it must have been in June, so it was yeah. in the beginning of the season. But yeah. it's a beautiful stadium. I actually had I had dinner there. I had dinner there in the stadium. It's great. But oh, I, Jared Thatcher and I always talk about every year is like when a Braves game. He's supposed to be coming up here. And we're going to see a Yankee game. But it would be great. There's not a lot. The only baseball fans I know in knife making besides you is Jared Thatcher and uh, Jesse Killian is a long suffering Phillies fan. Oh yeah. And that's just about it. That's just about it. Sometimes yeah, there's not many. Like it. almost no. Like, Chris isn't, Ilya hates no. it, nobody in my old shop did. I mean, not just baseball, just about sports in general. So it's I've never really had somebody. My coworker John Mitchell, back at Ball and Rifle Store, we, we did the Ravens game stuff together for a few years, but then he lost interest. So, yeah, there's not there's not many. There's something, there's something, especially as you get older, about sports, that it, it does take away the, it does take away, you know, your political political feelings mm -hmm. it does kind of create i mean for me it was like you know after 9-11 when the yankees played for the first time in october yeah right after 9-11 it was like new york is back you know yeah. and it was like oh no, seriously even me hating the yankees that watching that moment on tv was special i have a friend who went that game and he talks about that game and that is one of my and i've talked about it a million times but the greatest story about george w bush is and i'll say it one more time is is like he's warming up he's warming up he's through the first pitch is right after 911 is october the first game back and he's warming up and he you know he was the manager he was the owner of the rangers so he's thrown out a few first pitches yeah. and jeter goes up to him and he says whatever you do don't throw it don't in the dirt. <laughs> don't throw it in the dirt and he and he just looks at him he says because they'll boo you and and like pre the president's like I'm a president of the United States. He's like, yeah, he's Yankee Stadium. You throw it, you hit it, the dirt. They're gonna boo you. And he <laughs> said that was one of the most nervous things he's ever had. Jerry right. Jeter just like got him all nervous before he threw out the first pitch. So, yeah. so yeah. how are you? What's I'm going doing on? all right, man. I've, last couple months have been pretty pretty cool project wise for the YouTube channel. We've done some pretty neat stuff. A lot of that came in like real last moment because. I had made a promise to myself and Ilya that we wouldn't do anything uh, like after mid-April so that I could have a full like two months, almost two months, to really work on my JS stuff for Blade Show. And two sponsorships come in. We ended up doing our last build was just like two weeks ago. It was like, oh, I should be saying no. But it was an opportunity for us to do a historical build and have it be sponsored. So we really like to pounce on those because the historical builds are the ones we like the most. Um, so we did a couple good projects, and then since then I've been just pounding on the JS stuff, trying to <laughs> learn how to be a good knife maker again, because it gives you a different perspective. So if this is your first time under, you know, the the American Bladesmith Society is mm -hmm. the is the real gold standard in bladesmithing, carrying on traditions, setting high bar standards that have been passed on for generations. Yeah, and this is the one thing that has become, you know, this is the this is the this is the flag bearer for knife makers, and yeah. if once you become a journey uh, an apprentice, that means you've been paying in you know three years in good standing, you can test to become a, a journeyman smith. The testing is what Matt's going to be doing, and this yeah. is a, it's a big ordeal. So you so just for the backup, 
You have journeyman smith. You're apprentice smith when you start paying. After three years of good standing, you can test. Once you test, and we're going to talk all about your, you're just about to test. They do the testing at Atlanta under a microscope, and mm-hmm. you have a few things you have to do before you show up to Atlanta. Once you get that, then you can test for master smith a number of years later. And it's very exciting and nervous making. And now, Matt's got a she's got a great web a great YouTube page called That Works and he and Ilya uh, do these great videos and now you're documenting you just put up your second uh, your second episode documenting your decision to become a, a test for Journeyman Smith mm-hmm. yeah and I I mean I'm documenting just about everything there's going to be two knives that I'm just kind of been documenting video wise on my phone. But uh, everything is going to have some video to it. And I thought I would release them quicker. But honestly, I kind of made a conscious decision to give myself a mental break when I come home and not edit so much and just uh, focus on the making. So a lot of those videos will come out after Blade Show, whether I pass or not. I'll still release them. But I I think I, I know that I personally was looking on YouTube for tips and tricks for the for making knives to that standard and there's just not that many there's there's a lot but not too many where somebody i'm not boasting or anything but somebody at my level that has a lot of experience would take away from there's a lot of stuff that no one like say if you're a complete starter there's good information but i needed some like really like poignant tips and there's not a lot out there so i really wanted to share my experience it's not these aren't going to be teaching videos but you're going right. to this is much less editing. This is going to be very brutally honest. Like, hey, this guard fit just didn't work. So I'm going to start over and let me show you exactly why it's not working. Things like that um, that I think will be very valuable. So if they get 5,000 views and just tank on YouTube, I don't care because I know in the future when somebody that's in my position will search them on YouTube that it will help them. So. That's kind of why I decided to document that process because these aren't like showstopper pieces that you're going to see the thumbnail and have to click. You know what I mean? Some of yeah. them are very vlog-style videos. But, um, yeah, I just really wanted to document all that and try to help as many people as I can. Well, i tell you one thing. is I, I'm, I don't normally watch YouTube videos just because, for me, it's like it's, a to, it's just time – I just try to stay off. I try. To, I'm on the phone enough. I try to stay off YouTube, but I do watch your videos. I watch friends of mine stuff and stuff like that. One of the things that I appreciate about all of your videos on that works is number one. I do like the historical builds that you do. And we're gonna talk about that those because I just they're great and they're. Yeah. It seems like you have such a connection with your viewership in terms of listening to what they want and creating this idea between. The fantasy stuff that you might see in uh, video games and stuff like that, and the historical stuff, your approach, and Ilya's approach in terms of using, um, you know, the trying to figure out the way that the old guys used to do it. Bob, yeah. the, the, I love that. But I do love this video series that you're doing, documenting uh, your the road to the Journeyman Smith because... You're not te- you're not doing a teaching video. I think that there are a lot of YouTubers that try to do more, you know. I'm going to do this to do a, have a teachable moment instead of you're just you you see your it's nervousness. Raw. Oh yeah, it's raw, hundred percent raw. And I I'm, love I'm trying it. a lot of times in our like more higher produced videos, like we'll film all the build it, and then I'll get a rough edit together, make some notes where I'd like some talking points, and then we sit down and we film all the talking points in one segment. I'm trying to like 
in the middle of forging turn the camera on and be like well you know i did that a little messed up so now we got to correct it or like i'm trying to give perspective while it's all fresh or at least at the end of the day hit the talking points you know while it's all super fresh and i can share not teachable moments but definitely like you, you can see the look in my face when something doesn't go right or something does go right i'm i'm legitimately excited so i the think it's forging cool. the forging was great because there's a couple things really great one a couple things i picked up just because i was just interested one is is I'm a, I was trying I'm trying to think about people who use that Japanese style knife making hammer mm-hmm. and for years I've seen a lot of people use them and I, I see them using it to forge down ricassos or or to kind of incise or do general forging and I always think to myself it just doesn't seem like it's the right hammer for me personally but when I looked at your hammer that you were swinging all of a sudden I said those sons of bitches down there in Maryland know what they're doing it's not usually you see a Japanese hammer where it's really one it's a one-sided hammer it's really that thin peen you know coming jutting out farther but the hammers that you swing it's almost like a cross beam but the cross peen is actually that smaller Jap- Japanese style hammer so you can do your big forging on the big side and then you can switch down to the Japanese hammer for forging down the, the, the bevels. And what was cool about watching that video was the fact that the reason why a lot of people wonder why you use those thin Japanese hammers is because when you're forging down the bevels, your anvil, the center of your hammer is not hitting the anvil. Right. You're not hitting the anvil and you're hitting the steel. So if you have that small concentrated head you're going to be able to focus on the edge of the bevel instead of hitting the fucking anvil, right? Yeah, that's very true. And also the the curvature of the handles, which a lot of people who make those Japanese-style handles, uh, hammers don't make curved handles. Yeah. So, like, for instance, when you're doing... A lot of people, when you're forging bevels, if you're forging this way, on this, on the, like, say, the right side of the bevel yeah. that's kind of natural for people but with, like doing that reach over and forging the left side is awkward yeah but actually having the curvature everything established you don't change your swing at all it's the same you're just over here now and it i mean there's a lot we can go into with those hammers because i wasn't even a believer even though i made a bunch of them with Ilya to be honest because that's kind of his thing but once i started using them i actually and now i even understand why he uses a heavy one uh, for things like setting that plunge, I don't, I don't know if I really covered that really well in those videos, but that initial set on the corner of the anvil, which his anvil doesn't even have very crisp edges, but that that the one really focused, uh, you know, well aimed hard blow does that job. You can do it in one or two hits, and the lighter hammer, you might have to do it five or six hits, and then things and get it's sloppy. less cleanup. Yep. It's less. It's less. It's less yeah. planishing, so yep. less less one good hit, and it moves it down completely. Is a lot cleaner cleanup, especially yeah. on that heel. Yeah. The other thing I noticed now that you now that I was realizing, and, and this is something that a lot of definitely watch his video, definitely watch Matt's videos because you pick up these little things, and a lot of people are like, I get so many people talking to me about well, what should what kind of anvil should I get? My corners suck. You also have a Hardy tool that was perfect, a right. perfect decision if you have a shitty anvil i'm not saying you have a shitty anvil no but it's like you can say it it, all you want but it's a beautiful anvil it's a square it's a square that fits in your hardy hole with crisp edges which allows you to forge in your ricasso Mm -hmm. and then it helps you drop that set down without having to deal with 
whatever your anvil is. It was mm-hmm. that's another thing that was like that's a genius move too. Yeah. I mean, there's little. It's it's really a neat opportunity in making these videos because a lot of people just think of us as the teachers presenting the information. But um, I also have a Discord channel and interact with people on Instagram and wherever it is. And uh, and seeing something I might have thought was completely irrelevant like that, they'll bring up be like, dude, that's really cool. Can you do a video on that? I'm like, it's just a it's just a square with a yeah Already, like there's nothing to, but it meant something to somebody and helps them so it's kind of cool like i try to make sure we show a little bit of everything even if we think it's irrelevant or just not that you know amazing to see because it might change somebody's perspective who has their grandfather's anvil with no crisp corners and you can literally make that tool super quick that's you can't make it any quicker you just get a you get a block yeah. of steel and put a little something to fit in the hardy hole weld it up and you're in there you're done yeah. It's no. I mean, if you look at most of the, I mean, I know Will Morrison is one of the best knife makers in Australia. He forged his whole anvil is just a four by four piece of steel. Yeah, you know, it's not. I mean, it isn't even an anvil. I mean, it's just like yeah. a block of steel. So I did really appreciate how you were kind of going about it. And I, once again, I said this in the last episode. If you haven't seen, uh, Ilya does a video on forging bevels in that makes a lot of sense. And he's using, he's he's showing you about how to uh, raise your 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 steel up so you're complementing the angle of your swing and it's just everything about it I just I really I appreciate your the both of yours approach to your your thank you your... and that that first video in the series where I say I'm forging my first time in a long time right. I am not lying that's the first time I forged a knife in probably a year I mean I dead serious i haven't gotten any time on the power hammer i hadn't gotten i really hadn't i forged a couple hooks and some plant hangers here at the house that's it i really haven't got a chance to swing a hammer and people know me as you know grinder guy because i that's all i've done on videos mostly for the last 10 years which is fine because that's kind of who i am but i really do love to forge and i'm not Mr. this is how it should be done i want you to see that my first knife i forge is is acceptable but not great uh the second knife is a little better and by the time i get i actually am making like eight or nine js knife for my set knives for my set just because some of the things i'm doing i'm not sure i should even include in my set so i want some backups i want to get there early on thursday ask some master smiths you know what five they think i should submit and stuff like that but um, by the time I mean, some people won't give you that, so maybe just go ask another JS who's been through it or what, or you know what I mean. Whoever I can get my hands on, I'm going to ask them to pick their five kind of thing and see what happens. Because I'm making some that are. Well, I listened to your podcast with Mark, Matt Parkinson where he says basically don't submit something judges wouldn't understand kind of thing. Yeah. And I definitely would like to submit some things that judges <laughs> wouldn't understand, but we'll see. Just well, because was... of who I am, I want. I would like. Okay, a lot of people who do it are just trying to pass this, the test, but for me, I'm not saying I'm on another pedestal. I don't want I don't want any extra recognition, pass or fail, but like my set is going to have a lot of eyes on it. Like the photos yeah. of it are going to be seen by a lot of people whether I just post it on Instagram or get shared on Reddit, whatever. It's going to have some eyes on it. So I want at least one piece that has like me in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm I, I hope that some of the MS people I ask will say, 
my centerpiece. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you. I haven't told anybody what my centerpiece is. So go ahead. Do you remember the squiggly sword that I made a couple of years ago, or last yes. year, I guess, for Blade Show? So I'm basically yes. making a dagger version of that. Wow. And that you could. I don't think it's not something they can't understand, but certainly I've never seen a Flamber's dagger in anyone's JS or MS set. So I'd really like to incorporate that. If not, I'm still going to make it up to that standard. And when people walk around Blade Show, they can come by the table and they can still see something that's made to a JS standard that's pretty nifty, but we'll see. So I I don't even know where I was going with all that. No, it's fine. You (laughs) know what? I tell you what, I appreciate your candor, especially after you were forging. And I don't remember which knife you were forging. You looked at the camera and he says you know I, I don't really like this profile yeah and it was like it was it was curved up a little bit but it was like all i could think of was like hey you can straighten that you yeah know, one two three it's not a that that's not the you know i thought i was i thought you were you were extra generous with your vulnerability because it yeah. could have been like me i'm just like get the wooden mallet and give it a couple knocks before i turn the camera on you know it wasn't really like a big of a deal but i appreciated the fact that you were so forthright with this, yeah. the idea and what which brings me to this point that you and i talked about uh, a couple months ago is is i obviously and that you addressed which i didn't think you needed to but there was someone on facebook who made a comment saying that well you know it, it was a i don't know i don't think that they were trying to be i don't know people were people say what they say and you and they were made the point was made that that you were going to have Elia forge everything and you were going to grind him. Yeah. And and you and I talked about it and it was just like some horseshit. It just seemed like, I mean, people just say things without any kind of really context. They just yeah. say what they say and then, then they said it. I found it to be very, I found it to be very refreshing and almost unnecessary for you to address it in the second episode. Yeah, maybe so. Um, I'm not going to, Say names and stuff, no, but people no, no, we no, no, both no. know. Uh, no, 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 a really good friend of both of ours to say that messaged me and said that he had talked to somebody who may or may not have been a, who's going to be on this JS test uh, jury. A mastersmith had expressed concern in person to him, and I thought maybe all that had blown over. Whatever I've forged since then, and people should know better. Especially one of the real funny thing is that people don't know is all those knives that Ilya made. For, uh, forged for me to practice on all of them i made sure had a damascus element if the blade wasn't damascus i made the damascus guards for it so there would be no question that these aren't not going to be the ones right. i'm using for my set right you know what i mean because you can't have damascus in your set at all uh so i thought for sure that would that would be enough but uh there right. was some concern and honestly um in the past maybe i've had some strong opinions about the abs one way or another um and I wanted to make sure that it was really clear that I'm not doing this process whatsoever to punk anybody or right. to pull a fast one or to show, hey, I'm quicker. I don't need to take six months like you guys suggest. I blah, 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 blah. No, I'm truly doing this from a place of humility. I don't have any need business-wise or financially to do this. I'm just fine. I can sell every knife I make. No, I'm not bragging once again, right. but it just is what it is. Um, and I wanted people to know that I'm coming in very, very genuinely humble. And if I don't pass, I won't be angry because it means that I'm going to just start over and do it again. And uh, I made – honestly, I made that kind of retracting statement. I don't know. It's like if an article, the newspaper posts something wrong, they 
post a retraction, you know, the next week or whatever. So that was kind of where I was thinking that I would just clarify that Ilya only forged my practice pieces because I, I honestly don't have or didn't have much practice in making knives like that at all. People think of me as somebody who spent my life on a grinder, but that is on a contact wheel. A platinum was and still is pretty fresh to me. So you need some practice to grind in a good plunge, to get your shoulders nice and crisp so your guard fits. That stuff is something most knife makers probably take for granted, but I wasn't a knife maker. and I'm still not really a knife maker. I'm a sword maker who made kind of mediocre stage combat swords his whole career. Um, so bringing myself up to this level, it's been a lot. So anyway, at the time that I decided to record that kind of retraction... I thought that the video that was in question was much more up in the air for uh, interpretation. And actually, after I recorded that, I went back and re- uh, listened to it again. I think it's pretty clear. That, like, I don't think we're—I don't think anybody should really have interpreted that way. However, some people did. So, you know what? Let's just clear the air. No hard yeah. feelings. You know, Ilya's a different person <laughs> than a lot of people in the ABS. He's got strong opinions. So, a lot of people you know could interpret things he says differently and another thing that they didn't like is he had mentioned that a lot of people probably in the test for js probably just grind their blades or don't forge their blades but really what he meant was and i'm once again i'm not attacking anyone um he meant forging your blades to 95 percent of their shape that's forging to him i mean that's not just because he's russian that's just who he is that's forging forging Basically, forging in a tang and curving a rectangular bar and then grinding your point to him is not forging a blade whatsoever. You might as well just ground it from a – you might as well just plasma cut your blank, which is fine too. Just like he was just stating something and it sounded kind of arrogant and derogatory towards the ABS, but he didn't mean it that way. And even if he did, I'm not Ilya. Right. I'm different. So, you know, my name is going on these blades. I'm the only person who's ever going to touch them. And I just really wanted to be super clear because – it's important to me. Um, you know, I don't really care what the general public thinks about me to a degree, but I do care about what my peers think. And I'm certainly not peers with all master smiths, but I've made pieces that are really nice. They've made pieces really nice. It is important to me what they think. So, hmm. See, you know. the only thing I have a problem with is that you said the word retraction. I almost thought of it like a clarification. Yeah, it, like, you're right. You it wasn't anything. really a retraction. It really was I don't a think cr- you said anything that was... None, nothing... Because I heard the whole thing beforehand. I heard, I saw the statements before, said. You and I talked about it. I was just like, eh, this is really kind of nothing. This I should really, have probably you know. watched the video in question before, again, before I had done that that second statement. Just because I felt like I was doing a retraction when I recorded right. it. You know what I mean? I right. felt like a, an apology like to something yeah. that had been done wrong. But really, having after I did that and I watched it, I went, you know what? I probably shouldn't have been so harsh on myself because yeah. we really don't say anywhere that he forged that. He's pretty clear that he's making me practice pieces, but well, it's okay. There's a lot of this. this it, what's interesting is, is you're in a different situation than the standard person who's probably testing for J, JS. Oh, hundred percent. You have been on television for quite a while yeah. on uh, your, uh, that show, uh, uh, man at arms. Mm-hmm. You reforged. You were on, you know, you were on the El Rey network. You were mm-hmm. with Robert Rodriguez. You you did you've done a lot of TV. So mm-hmm. in regards to your profile and because you have such a wildly f- a popular um 
YouTube channel that works. You are more in the public eye than, say, somebody who's just took some classes at New Jersey, you know, at the uh, New England, you know, whatever New England uh, yeah. Metalworks, and decided to test after three years. Where you're, you know, you have a higher profile, so there's always this sense of. You know, people kind of like. I wonder. You know, he's got. You know, he's got it easy because so and so and such and such. Right. It must be a little bit harder because you do have, and you are putting you're you're putting yourself in a pretty vulnerable situation. You're not hiding anything. No. I mean, like when things are said, you say them. I even look at your the comments yet yesterday on some things, and you're very very. You know, you're right that you're not hiding from anything. Mm-hmm. You're you're very forthright, and and it seems to be very uh, sincere to me. Yeah, I mean that's really been like one of my main goals through all this is I know I'm going to be under a higher scrutiny but I really really welcome that. Like people think maybe I'll get a easy pass cuz oh it'd be good to have I'm not a celebrity, but like right. Celebrity Smith yeah, and the course. ABS and have some some more exposure for the ABS. That is not at all. I can tell you right now the ABS could care less about that. And I think that I'm actually putting myself under a higher scrutiny than most people because you know they might give i don't know this is this is all speculation but fine they might give somebody a little bit of a pass here and there and some things because you know they're a younger person coming up and they know that they're going to progress past something and and get them through the steps but for me i feel like i'm going to have way more of a magnifying glass every gap in my guards better be perfect you know all that stuff so i i'm actually like this is kind of this is kind of jumping the topic a little bit, but I'm actually excited to be doing this. This is the first time I've been nervous since I asked my wife to marry me. You know what I mean? Wow. Over anything. Really? Yeah. I mean, we all have deadlines, but we make those deadlines. You know what I mean? This is different. This is, I have till this date, I've put it out for three years that I'm going to do this. This is the year. I'm, I start, I put that initial video out because I was like, I'm holding myself to this. And the way to hold myself to it is I'm going to tell the public that I'm doing it and I have to do it. And, you know, I've really enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed the struggle for sure, but I've, I've enjoyed being nervous again about something. It's, it's cool. It's fun. Did you think your wife wasn't going to say yes when you proposed? Absolutely not. I did it. I did it in front of, uh, a whole camera crew and it's all, there's a whole video of it on on the man at arms thing. And oh, really? T- we tied it in. Yeah, so I'll set it up real quick. So we we made uh, Ragnar's Axe from the show Vikings on History Channel. Okay. So throughout that making of the axe, I also was making her ring uh, with Lauren Schott, the jeweler that we had working there. So we were making the ring in the episode and making the axe, and then I invited her to come out as a cosplayer and had her dressed up like a viking and i told her this whole thing i was like at the end i'm gonna have you cut this watermelon and then i'm gonna come up to you and i'm gonna say how do you feel and i want you to say i feel strong and i'm gonna we're both gonna be like like a big viking chant at the for the end of the video so i walk up to her with the axe and i put it down and she thinks i'm about to say you know how do you feel and she's gonna say i feel strong because that's she's a personal trainer and that's her her motto is i feel strong so i wanted her to yell that just for something cool for her to have sure so I slam the, the the axe down into a stump in front of her, and I get down on my knee, and I pull out the, the ring, and she just, I mean, just, wow. it was amazing. So uh, we had, a, she also, she should have been clued in a little bit, because I had my family there. I had a lot, a lot of people were on set that wouldn't normally be there, but uh, yeah, we did all that. So, I mean, I wasn't 
that's just a moment. I don't care if you know they're going to say yes. That's still like, you. hopefully in life you do that one time if you're lucky. And uh, that was my one time. And I was just, I was more so nervous hoping that it was special enough. You know what I mean? I wanted, I wanted her, I think she, she's had a hard life. I've had a hard life. I just wanted her to have the fairy tale moment that like, you know, little girls dream of. And I just really hoped that I had given it to her. And <laughs> You have to ask her, but I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's so cool. such the contrast. So I didn't do my wife and I've been together for so long, I turned over to her, we woke up one morning, I said, Hey, you wanna get married? And she said, Sure. And that was the end of it. And I, hey. I said it was really like but the weirdest part was is talking about nervous. I told my dad for the first time before I asked her, asked him. The first thing he says is, What are you gonna do if she says no? And I was like what the fuck? What the fuck dad. kind of help is that, Dad? I was like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's not gonna say no. He's like, Well, what are you gonna do? Kick her out of the apartment? I was just like, What are you out of your fucking? I was just like, This is the worst. I'm never gonna ask you anything ever again. Yeah. So much better. Yours was far better than mine. Uh, it's okay, actually. You know, I thought it was really your 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 anniversary is what two days in front of mine, something like that, or I think so. Yeah. yeah so every year I see May. yours, and I always think I got to one up Jeff after you post your Instagram stories. But I thought that was like you had a super romantic moment. You were out on a boat. You're yeah. eating hoagies or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was super cool. It was so, romantic. And I'm romantic. so busy with the JS thing. I didn't really get a chance to plan um, much for our anniversary. We always make a big deal out of it because we're we got little kids in the house and stuff. So like we don't get out too much together. So we want to make sure we actually did something really funny this year. We went to medieval times and uh, that was just, she's like, let's just go be nerds and have fun. And I was like, heck yeah, let's go be nerds and have fun. And we, we yelled and screamed. It's probably half the reason my throat hurts right now. But uh, yeah, it was just, that was fun. We, we, we always have fun. She's, she's way too good for me. <laughs> Look at you. Look yeah. at you. I'm lucky. I, I, I find this, I find your whole, this, you're logging in to be great. And I, I, I couldn't help think that there must be a feeling of, of, you know, look, you're very aware that it I could get, not, I could, I could not pass. You're mm-hmm. very aware of that. And I uh-huh. think that you're very vulnerable in all your videos in regards to that. And you're very clear and open-minded. I almost wonder, because this year, and I've said this a few times before, this year is the biggest group of people testing, like 40-something? I think it's 50-something now. 50-something? I heard last 58, but I think six people backed out. I thought it was like 45, and now it's like in the 50s? It went up to 58, but I think like six people retracted or something. So I still think it's like high 50 or at least low 50s. There's There's two ways to go about it. That's crazy. One is they... I part of me feels like they they shouldn't know who the maker is. Part of me was would be like then you're getting rid of then you're getting rid of any kind of like well nice. let me yeah. you know because I've talked to Jason Knight and I remember when he when he had him on knife talk and he was talking about I think he was doing the master test for Mr. Mears or something like that Andrew Mears and he said something along the lines of like he had this feeling like he could have done better or something like that. And he gave him lower marks because he knew who he was and he felt like he could be better. And part of me is wondering like hmm. maybe there shouldn't be this kind of, you know, maybe it shouldn't be – maybe it should yeah. be more anonymous because especially now. you got 50-some-odd people here. you got to run well, these motherfuckers through so that they pass yeah. or fail. Yeah, I mean that's a good be, point. How long are they going to be there? How long Let, are they going to be there? They're going to be there for like three days. Let's just – take a step back for a second so the way the abs is now this is all from an outside viewpoint looking in right. um 
it's become such a big thing because right. of things like Forge and Fire and sure. things like our show and things like just YouTube in general. Like it's a very mainstream thing and, and knife making is really thrust into the mainstream where I don't know if you remember probably when you started, but certainly when I started, I was in high school. I was a I was a the weirdo. If any right. girls found out I made knives, it was like, oh, my God, the weirdo in the basement making knives. But then, like, it became cool, super cool. And the ABS was kind of like a fellowship, if you will, back in the day. It was very – there wasn't that many people, so it was like – you know, it was an easy organization. Now that it's a bigger organization, you got 58 people testing – I mean, you know, I think they're going to have to learn to evolve along with with that. So I, I give them some time and get some young blood in there that have good, fresh ideas. And, and I think it'll be good. I mean, just kind of being I'm not saying I'm in cahoots with, but like being involved with some of the people that run Blade Show. Like I've, I talked to Cindy a lot at Blade Show. Everybody who's gotten a table at Blade Show knows Cindy. And, like, we kind of have nice conversations back and forth. It's a ton of work to put on something like Blade Show, let alone run the organization and all the little things that happen throughout that weekend. You got award testings. You got JS. You got MS. You got the the ABS banquets. You got where the presentations are going to be. It's got – there's so much moving parts in there. It's amazing that they do what they do. Um, But I I think they're going to – they're going to kind of embrace – who they are and uh, and kind of evolve. I think we're going to start seeing some of that very soon. Well, but here's the, the only great... problem is everybody. One of the things is you want to put your name on your blade. So how is it going to be anonymous? That's almost that's a perfect world Good scenario. Point. But Good point. like, and that's even something that I've stressed about. People don't know I've only ever hot stamped or used a panograph engraver to put my name on it. I've actually never electro etched my name before. I'm still waiting on the stencils to come in, so I still haven't done it. So I'm literally like a week and a half before I get in the car and drive to Atlanta, and I've never etched a blade. So yeah, there's a lot of those little things that people assume I'm good at, and I have not done it yet. So it'll be wow. interesting. I it know is, anybody. It is. It's but. very. It, I think that that's a very interesting. I think. I think the great thing is is you know for so many for the past number of years obviously instagram social media is like what 15 years old something like that yeah so i mean this is the population of the young guys now there's young guys like you know james over at wastelanders going to test and will stelter and there's mm. a pile of great young guys young mm-hmm. guys oh yeah and then there's going to be this there's going to be this new and you know they're all going to want to follow Jordan Lamote and get that master bladesmith as soon as possible and then you're going to start to see this kind of higher level at an earlier age mm-hmm. and it's obviously going to be better and and I think it's fantastic because I do believe having this flag bearer of a set of standards is important whether you like it or not it is important and it is super I, important yeah and obviously they're going to have to obviously they're going to have to figure something out because i remember when uh, matt parkinson tested and there was like like 10 guys testing for js yeah. 10 or 15 guys yep. now it's like 50 they're going to have to they're going to have to like churn these guys out otherwise you're going to have to bring these they're going to have to bring steve schwartz and all these guys in they're going to have to prop them up and yeah you know live give them breaks and stuff yeah. to have to do and testing and i've heard um well they're going to they're going to do two segments they announced so they're gonna do i believe like a seven o'clock in the morning and an 11 o'clock in the i don't know how they're gonna do it we'll see but um <clears throat> i'm in a group text message with some of those younger guys and some that are testing and uh 
it's funny to hear different people's perspective because some people like Will Stelter are friends with a lot of older master smiths because let's face it, everybody loves Will Stelter. Yeah, because Will Stelter's <laughs> so a along- sixty-year-old man in a thirteen-year-old right, body, so he gets along with everybody. So you know, there's some opinions that are, um, well, it's actually going to be really good for us because they're going to, you know, everything's going to get a quick glance. And then I say, well, if it's a quick glance and there's just a subtle thing that may or might not be wrong, that's bad. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? You, there may be something that takes um, some some more closer looks to really figure out what's going on there. Um, so I don't know if it's good or bad for the entry. Um, basically, it should at least my perspective and i believe everyone who's testing this year should pretend they're the only one testing pretend they're going to spend 3 hours on your knives because you should be your toughest judge and you should not submit anything you have a question mark above your head on so that's my that's my like, in your mind was yeah. we're doing speculation time who's in the hot seat this year Who's in the hot seat? Who's in the hot seat? Who is the expectations are so high? I mean, who's in the hot seat besides think, you? You're in the hot seat. I was going to say, I think me, honestly. Stelter's would, in the hot seat. Stelter's in the hot seat, and he's only got one knife done. So Stelter's in the hot seat. I think that's what his move is. But think, let's, you know what I think? let's let's go real ahead. quick. Go ahead. The only thing I have to say why I'd say I am way more of a hot seat, not because I'm more known, because he's he might, he's probably better known than I am these days, but. Will basically from his like I'm not gonna say his first knife, but I met him when he was like 16. He was making live knives basically at the JS level. It might have taken him a long time, but the first time he ever handed me a knife was it 2018 or some, some I don't know. It was a long time ago, and then he handed me one of his knives, and I was like, "Well, this is he could pass the JS test with this knife." I promise you this, and I'm not just saying this for drama. I have never made a single knife that would pass the JS test. Not one. I've made nice Damascus pieces, but we all know that you can hide a lot with a with a heavy etch. I've never made a mono steel knife. Not not a single one that would pass the JS test. So I'm coming from. I'm almost like the stubborn old man trying to learn new tricks thing, <laughs> where he's brought been brought up in a standard for everything that he's made. I'm not saying that everything he's made would pass, but he if you look at his work, he'll spend 10 hours filing something to make it crisp. I have never done that. Like but you're miss you're forgetting one thing. What? Stelter's also the guy who moves power hammers and pallet jacks. He's also the <laughs> guy. Darn he, right. Will Stelter, who I uh, love. Not anymore, I don't think. Will Stelter, who I love, will not be bringing nine knives down. He will be finishing the last one on the drive. He's going to have someone drive him, and he's yeah. going to be working on it the last minute. I yeah. tell you what. He's going to find something three days before and throw it in the garbage and start over from scratch. Oh, I 100% am going to do the same thing, dude. That's why I made nine. <laughs> and I say made, nothing's done. Not one. I'm how, about, much more, how much more time do you have? I mean, today's Monday the 23rd. I have until, I have 10 days. 10 days. I'm leaving on Thursday morning or maybe even Wednesday night before oh Blade and driving how down. Much, how much more work do you think you have? I have. Besides, besides 10 days. So I have seven knives, rough finished to 400 grit. For, handles everything fit everything's fit 
um, hand sanding to 400, all of that. So really, I'm down to like hand sanding, etching the blade, final glue up, which doesn't sound like a big deal until you like think you're perfect because you've been fitting everything. Then when you go to do that final right before you're going to put the glue in or yeah. your pin or however your, con- your thing's constructed, you see the little gap. You see the little gap between the bolster and the handle, and you break out the piece of glass with some 800 grit, and you get you know, get your uh. things flat. And yeah, I know that's coming, and I know it. Um, I, I told my wife my my shop is at Chris's place, so it's about an hour from my, where I live. I told her I was like I might be getting a hotel the last week <laughs> to save myself two hours a day of driving, but um, we'll see. I feel really good. Like I said, I have seven pieces that are there, and my last piece that I'm working on is that dagger. Um, I just don't know. I might I might abandon that, but I really want to make it. It's it's heat treated, it's rough ground all the way to two twenty, so all I gotta do is make guard handle pommel and I've done that my whole life, so I should be able to do that. Um however I I mean the one thing I have to say about this is I have been surprised with every single step of the way of how much I didn't know how to make a really, really nice knife. It's been almost everything i've done i've had so many you'd think somebody who's been making knives and blades in general for almost 25 years there wouldn't be too many more firsts to do i've had so many firsts in this last month you wouldn't believe it i'd never used a waterfall platen before i'd never used a really surface grinder to make sure everything was flat like you said in the opening broadbeck i'm team broadbeck too and I broke out that surface grinder. I'm grinding every every blade before heat treat, every blade after, every guard before I mill it, every guard after I mill it, making sure all my surfaces are parallel to try to save myself time. Uh, I've used, I've never hand sanded a knife guard in my life. I've done everything on machines or Scotch Brite or whatever. I'm hand sanding everything. It's it's different. Make sure all your bolsters and your pin, everything's pinned so everything locates the same. So when you do go to do your glue up, if your wood shifts a little, there's no problems because it's all aligned. All of that stuff that I usually just, I've been, for the last 20 some years, I've been in the mentality of make it as fast as possible. And that's the habit I've had to break. And, uh, whew, it's amazing. And honestly, like, I want to encourage, I've had so many people ask me why am i doing this Uh, i think even you the first time we talked asked like why are you going to do it um and people have even compared it like you said you won't go and forge and fire because there's no point why why is this why would you do this why would you risk it on this i think it's different huge you know you know it's different i'm this has been a process that i will never be able to go back whether i pass or fail i'm going to i will be presenting my five nicest pieces best fit and finish wise anyways maybe not Extra, extravagant detail because you're not really encouraged to do much of that uh, but as far as fit and finish these will be my five nicest pieces I've ever made and I'm super proud of that whether I pass or fail and like you said there is n- the, not only there are they the highest standard they're really the only standard in blade making they're really right. the only one unless you go to Japan and learn from a master there and get certified for real but that's not going to happen no blue you know, blue-eyed, red-beard guy's going to go over there and get that done anytime soon. Um, it's just, you know, it's been a process that I'm fully embracing, and I did it to learn, and I'm doing it to challenge myself. There's not 
too many other things that can challenge me and and it's been great and I really want it and it's something that I considered doing 10 years ago and I forgot to pay like my second year of dues or something and I let it lapse and then like I was like forget about it I'm never going to do it and I regret that I should do it and I want to go all the way I want to be an MS and I'm I'm not doing it as a marketing thing I probably won't even ever stamp JS or MS on my blades cuz I it's not why I'm doing it I'm literally doing it for myself I'm doing it to prove that I can do it, to hold myself to a standard that I've never been held to. The only standard that I've been held to over the last 24 years of making is the customer's viewpoint. So the only thing I've had to stress about is I know that person who's buying my piece is going to hold the knife or the sword or whatever in their hand. They're going to be able to view it and see if they like it, see if it passes their standards, and then they buy it. I don't have anything to stress out there. Now I'm being judged by my peers and I have to hold myself to a very high standard and that means everything to me. So it's something I had to do. I'm not ever going to go in Fortune Fire. Uh, There's no point in that. I don't have anything to prove there. Um, But ABS, like if there was something else, maybe I'd do that. But this is it and I want to do it and it's helped me tremendously whether you think you're going to ever go for ms or not whether you pass or fail i encourage people to set the goal to do it just just say i'm gonna do it um i was talking to um ben from broadback ironworks he uh fiery ice forge he was saying you know maybe one day i'll go for my js and i was like dude your next knife you make make it as if it's number one of your set and if it's not sell it you know what I mean? But like start start that. Why not? There's like whether you're young or old, I encourage people to go down this because you'll be surprised how much you will learn just forcing yourself to do things at a higher standard. You'll learn. And if that's all you get out of it, what more can you ask? But having goals is the best. I mean yeah. having a specific goal and reaching that goal, mm-hmm. there, I don't think there's much better for a person to have than mm-hmm. – Having an idea and then executing it and making it is, I mean, that's the same reason why someone would go to college or somebody would it's go. It's the exact same thing. It's, it's I think, I, no, I, it, I, I can't understand the comparison between why would you go, what, you won't go to Forge Fire, why you do this. This is two different things. I mean, this is totally we understand that things. as makers, but a lot of people like just say fans. I don't like to call them fans, but whatever, viewers of my YouTube channel, um, Say, well, you know, if you want to prove yourself, why wouldn't you go there? Well, I mean, come on, man. That's so different. Well, That's designed looking. to make people fail, and the one person that doesn't fail is the winner. You know what I mean? That's different than they really do hope all 58 people pass. You know, they, that's what they want. Like, I've, I've heard theories of, like, I wonder who they're going to fail just because they can't pass everyone. I was like, oh, I guarantee you all those judges would love to pass everyone. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? They want their society to grow, and they rather see – the community in general get brought up a level in in quality and standard and and influence people behind them and keep the ball rolling it's good for them so but but at the same time back to your you know people say things because they're just looking for some interaction that's true you know, they're not really looking for they don't really care i mean they're sitting on the toilet and then writing you comments maybe saying, well, yeah you know i i think that people are looking for a connection i i i believe that I believe that most people don't have any idea about any of this. 
And I believe that, like, I just got a message. Uh, there's a chef that wants to come up, and he's like a whatever. And he just wrote me a message, and he just said, um, good guy, real good guy, does great videos. And he says, I've, I really love to see how you make knives. I'm a huge fan of Forge and Fire. I don't say anything. God bless Forge and Fire. If it wasn't for Forge and Fire, there wouldn't be 50-some-odd people, most likely, by hook or by crook, uh, testing for JS. So, Probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. So tell me about, I love the part where you were creating the chopper for the bending test. Mm. I love oh, yeah. the whole story of you that. going to the Moran, yeah. you going to the real place. Tell us about that. It was let's, such a let's, fun export. Yeah, Bring let's, it back. let's talk about that from start to finish because that's, that's, that's the very first stressing, stressful yeah. thing. Uh, because if you don't do that, you don't get to progress. So those who don't know, uh, for the JS performance test, you make one knife doesn't have to look nice at all it has to meet a certain set of parameters uh can't be longer than 15 inches cutting edge can't be longer than 10 inches and that's about it that's a uh, can't be wider than i think two inches i think that's it um other than that you can do whatever you want but it has to be able to cut through a two by four twice cut a rope a one inch free hanging rope free hanging means no tension uh cleanly through and then after both of those things you have to take it to your arm and it still has to be sharp enough at the point that you cut the two by four not like you get to cut two by four here and you test here at the point where you see the scuffs it has to be able to shave hair still then after all that you clamp your blade in a vise and you have to bend it from the handle 90 degree bend without it breaking it can stay bent it doesn't have to come back true but it cannot break um it can crack supposedly but you shouldn't have it crack anyway so sword maker that's my perspective i'm uh, honestly this is the only part of the experience that i was a little cocky because i've made swords that i can bend the tip and touch the pommel and come back true you know what i mean yeah i know how to do that i've heat treated thousands tens of thousands of blades i know how to do it no big deal I know ADCRV. I'm going to make it from ADCRV. Some people are tempted to use a lower carbon because they think it won't get so hard. It really doesn't matter what you do. There's always a way to treat this deal to make it pass this test to a degree. So I'm kind of cocky about it. I make the first one. I do. You see it in the video. I do a test 2x4. It still shaves. Um, I do the bend. But I did like a edge quench, and it was like a flaming quench, and it's disgusting. I hate flaming quenches, so I, w- I, I knew I wasn't going to do that on my actual thing. So I basically mimicked that, made that again, and forged out an ADCRV, mostly hand forged the whole thing. Did a little. Uh, I used like a um, a top tool and the power hammer to do the little swell and the handle. That's it. Everything else was hand forged. Heat treated this time. I heat treated the entire thing submerged it in oil then i tempered the whole thing at uh 600 degrees oh wait i say 600 600 400 degrees 400 degrees for two hours sorry twice two cycles of that then i did the whole blue back and i know a lot of people don't like the blue back spine but i was playing it safe i didn't have any time why don't they like it some people don't like it because uh i mean we can get real technical on like what it does to your grain structure that this that and the other i don't care that's how knife making has been done for a very long time so it's fine that's what I did. I polished. I gave it a little flair. 
I didn't make it simple. You don't. You know, a lot of people do duct tape handles. They don't even have to have nice handles right. for these things. But I did right. like stabilized wood, yeah, contoured sure, stabilized wood. Fancy. It was pretty fancy. You're gonna keep this thing. You're gonna keep this thing. Yeah, I have it. You might yeah. as well have it as a souvenir. Yeah. You no, you don't need duct tape. Yeah. So I do this whole thing. I sharpen it. You know, I've always sharpened on like the slack of a sander, right. and then maybe do a little hand honing at the end. I could get the rope cut. This is, okay. This let's just go through it. The night, the two nights before the test that I'm going to the Moran Foundation to test with Jay uh, Hendrickson, who was the president of the ABS for I think 20 years. Like he was Bill Moran's good friend. He's the you know. He's about as top as you get as far as, like, godfather's level, grandfather, if you will, of knife making. He is, like, the guy. Especially in Maryland, he's the guy. So I'm going to – two two days before that, what the hell? I cut through the first rope. Easy. I did an Instagram story as I did it. I was so cocky. Like, holy hell. You even see look at the face – look on my face. I'm surprised. I'm like, wow. Cut right through. No problem. Put that thing in a case. I go home, I come back in the morning, I decide, hey, let me test that again. You know, I shouldn't just take one swing and and know that I got it down because the rope cut's all about your edge and the angle of your cut. Right. It's not actually super easy. A lot of people have trouble with it. Um, I hang the rope back up exactly where it was. Chris Cash, I did it by myself before. Chris Cash is there for this one. He goes, let me, yo, let me, let me see that rope cut. Let me make sure that make sure that shit ain't edited. I was like, all right, all right. I was like, no problem. Cocky as hell. Breaker. First thing in the morning, we're drinking our coffees together. He's breaking my balls. I hang it up. Boom. Baseball batted. That thing swung out, came back. I didn't even cut it a little bit. And I was like, what the hell? So I cut cut it off, and I readjust it, retape the thing. I wasn't cutting through, and I couldn't figure it out. I still to this day don't know why. Uh... And I just start going crazy. I go on Amazon. I'm like, okay, I need to get some sharpening stones. There's like, you know, get it today. Amazon right. Prime. Get your 3,000, 6,000, 8,000 grit sharpening stones. And I just like obsessively all day long on these stones. I got Amazon, brought them in like two hours. And I just started hand, uh, you know, stoning, sharpening, whatever, and teaching myself all of that because I've never really done that. Were you freaking out? I was a little freaking out. I was like, I don't understand. And then I got it sharp again. I was like, sweet. Went to the two by four, boom, 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 cut all the way through it, went back to cut. And it was, there was no deformity on my edge. There was no rolling or anything, but it just, maybe I would like cut one little piece of hair, but it just wasn't razor at all. And I was like, oh man. So what happened? I just, I don't know, man. It's just one of those fluke things. Maybe that last stroke you change your angle and you round something over a little bit so it'll cut a two by four, but it won't shave. I, I really don't understand. I still to this day think Ilya, when I went home, went in that case and dulled my knife a little bit to mess That's, with me. I swear. Oh I don't God. think he actually did, but we both know him. He probably would if he had thought of oh it. Oh, my God. But, uh, what, yeah, what so I spent – fucking thing that would be. I oh made the handle. God. I said, you know what? I'm going to put this down. I got myself one of those little – uh, clips you put on the back of your knife to keep the angle steady when you're using a stone. Yeah, um, like a Lansky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I made my scales. I said I'll go back to sharpening. That was the morning of Chris Cash's tool sale he had at the property where a bunch of people were coming over to buy stuff, a little get-together. 
and I'm <laughs> people are everywhere and I'm like stressed out. Nine thirty I'm supposed to be over at the Moran Foundation. It's eight thirty and I'm still oh, eight thousand grit stoning sweating. my knife, sweating. I, I'm trying to be real not cocky, but I'm trying to be confident to the crowd because there's a lot of fans that show up for those things. It's not just blacksmiths. And uh, you know, people are like asking me a million questions and I'm just like, Oh my god, am I gonna get this? I'm gonna get this. I get it to where I take a couple chops on the 2x4. I don't have time to cut all the way through it. Test it on here. Didn't get a chance to retest the rope cut, but everything felt okay. I was like, all right. I, this is literally the sharpest knife I've ever had. The sharpest knife I've ever owned, and I don't really own it. My wife owns it, is one that you made her. So I was comparing it to that kind get of sharp. Get out of here. That's a very sharp knife. We use that get thing. out of here. I use that for making PBJs just because it's so fun, dude. Anyway. Look at you. It's a great knife. Product so anyway, the sh- Fader knives, man. They're great. They're good. I have one in my kitchen. I don't have a knife that I've made in my kitchen, but I got yours. Anyway, so I get this knife, sharpest sharpest I've ever got. Now, keep in mind, anybody can take a knife to a zero edge and make it super sharp, but this also has to be stout enough to chop through a 2x4 twice and then you know, shave hair. So, you so got, question. Yeah. What are you looking for in the geometry and the edge? So I cut... I took it, I don't know measurements, man, I eyeballed it all, but I took it almost zero edge, then I took it on a like 400 slack and basically made a nice square edge, and then I I initially made a real nice apple seed, right. which is like a convex yeah. edge, because I was like, convex is great, because you can get it super sharp, but it's also very stout, so when I do that bend test and the chop test, it's not going to just snap, because there's a lot of material behind that edge. Also, in the rules of the ABS, after you do all their cutting, you're allowed to just take, uh, I think it's a tiny uh, little bit of your sharpness of your edge off before you do the bend test. However, uh, my master smith didn't want me to do that, and I had planned on that. And he said, no, 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 I don't test that way. Just put it in the vise. And I was like, ah! So but anyway, would, so apple seed and then... Real quick. Sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Real go ahead. quick. Because I would think, and I apologize for interrupting, no, I would think a lot of the flexing, because, you know, it's a lot of it is completely the geometry, regardless of whether or not the spine is is soft, mm-hmm. you still have the hardness of the blade. I would think a lot of it's just the geometry. Because, yeah, so I mean, I'm sword mentality. The very first one that I made at the test that I showed in the video, I put a ton of distal taper, which means from the handle to the point, it tapers thinner to the point. I put a ton of it, but when I did my bend test, it like wanted to bend almost only at the point. Yeah. So not in the middle, which I thought, whatever, you're going to pass if it bends there. It just looked ugly. I want a nice right. even yeah. bend like a bow. So I did a lot less distal taper on the second one. There's still a tiny bit, but I did a less. I actually considered doing reverse taper. Ilya wanted me to do reverse taper, so it's actually thicker at the point. I was like, you know what? We're not, we're not in the business of... Of, oh yeah, uh, because the first few you. inches doesn't matter. No, right, right, but because it's going in the vice. That part's going in the vice. Anyway, gives a shit. I didn't, I didn't want to do any. Tri- he's, a, he's, a, yeah, so he's, tri- he's a, yeah, he's Mr. Mathematics, and he's a trickster. You know, he's a trickster. Total trickster. So, anyway, so this one I didn't put very much. Uh, I did about a twenty-five degree angle on the what is the tool call again? The set thing for hand sharpening, whatever. I did a twenty-five My degree angle. Yeah, twenty-five degree angle. Uh, sand it, hand sanded all the way to 8,000 grit. It was mirror polished and just sharp. So 
I go to the Moran Foundation. They actually are having a meeting there, which I didn't really know. So they have all their members. It's a it's a, a knife maker guild at their place. <sighs> so there's tons of people there. Of co- not all of them know me, but enough of them know who I am that they're uh, people want to watch. Jay Hendrickson's not there yet, so everybody wants to see my knife. I'm passing it around. I'm nervous as hell because the first person who goes like this on the edge, I'm like, because oh, do like, I don't know what you did the night before. You got metal on your hands. Are you dulling my edge? Are you gonna cut yourself? All those things. But everybody had to touch the edge, and I, oh. you know, I don't really know a lot of those people super well because I just moved out to Frederick, so I haven't really gone to a lot of guild meetings. But I, I've been around, uh, so I didn't want to be rude. And I'm like, you know, okay, can I have it back? So I take I it back, put it back in the case. Jay shows up, we go in there, and I get to do my test, and Bill Moran, the founder of the American Blades uh, Society, um, in his shop. That's still his shop. His tools are all still where they were. And uh, sounds really cool, right? There's just one caveat. Ceilings are super low, and there are things hanging in the rafters. So I'm testing in Chris's shop, which is like, I don't know, 20 feet ceilings all the clearance in the world i'm doing these big swoopy rope cut swings to now i'm you know ceiling and i everything's just closer now i got you know 20 people around me watching and they're all positive very like cheery everybody was super positive didn't didn't make me nervous and i'm used to like doing public speaking or you know being on camera so like that part didn't really make me nervous but at the same time like everything all piled up it's like, oh my goodness. Plus, whether I pass or fail, I'm going back to Chris's with all of these people that know I just left to go take my test. So every oh. last one of my peers, Ilya, Chris, uh, you know, all of our friends that were there are all going to want to know if I pass or failed. So if I fail, I'm probably just going to drive home and skip that part. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so anyway, everything, you know, I don't want to skip. You watch, watch my video if you want to see it. I, I show everything. I chopped through the two by four. It shaves. You can see the legit like feelings I have. Um, <clears throat> gen, very genuine. And you know, I, I end up getting through the rope cut instead of doing the swoopy thing. I kind of like come down at an angle and then like do more of like a cut like this. Like I, nobody, people aren't side, watching, but like, yeah, I'm doing like a, a radius angle. So like right. increasing my angle as I swoop in because I'm. I can't put my I can't even extend my hand all the way up. That's how low the ceilings are. Uh, get it done. Do the ninety degree test. No problem. Everything goes good. He signs my blade. Signs my paper. I get back in the car and I drive back to the tool sale. And I, you know, luckily, I got to have some triumph. My first taste of of triumphant victory in this whole thing. But uh, like I said, the the one thing I was cocky about ended up biting me in the butt, and I had to learn how to actually sharpen a knife because. It's another thing. I haven't made that many sharp things. I make a lot of stage. I made a lot of stage combat things, and I've honestly had Ilya sharpen a lot of my, uh, a lot of our the, our co projects. Ilya does all the sharpening because he's got all the Japanese stones back at his house and stuff, so he does all that. I've never really had to worry about it. I've never made a kitchen knife. Only a couple really. So I've never really, I've never really done too much hand standing for yeah. for sharpening. I mean, touching up a hunting knife in the field on a stone, sure, but like. Never to the point where I was stressed out about how sharp it was, and I can see why people get obsessed with it because it is something to make something that sharp and and be able to do all that kind of heavy chopping at the same time. But it's yeah. amazing. It it's is, amazing. It's a whole other thing, and I used to make fun of people, but it's it's an art in itself. 
question, one question in the video. Mm-hmm. Now, I love that you put a camera down and filmed you doing the uh, the, the Ben test and everything. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing was I was wondering because you did the first Ben test at, but with the original knife that you had edge quenched, mm-hmm. and you were hesitant and slow uh-huh. and and you know i think the, you know it was great video but at the same time i was nervous yeah watching <laughs> and what i was wondering is is when you're doing the bend are you because i mean when i make sculpture stuff like that or i got to make a bend then i want it to be arched sometimes i'm if i especially if you're using a cheater bar or something like that you're almost flexing it up a little bit. You're not just straight bending it. Like Pulling in my mind, I'm thinking. In my mind, I'm thinking if I'm doing this, I'm going to have it in there, and then I'm going to use the cheater bar and then just push forward a little bit to get it to arc more, as opposed to just. I didn't. Because I think at one point you said something like, "They should just have a machine to do this." Yeah. And I would think, well, I don't want a fucking machine because I'm not going to just bend straight down. I'm actually going to take my leading hand yeah. and push the cheater bar up a hair. To help make sure that the whole thing arcs uh, yeah. and I bends didn't. in a certain way. I didn't. I didn't think of that. And honestly, not only that, I, I didn't ever test the heat treat that I did. You know what I mean? I just kind of went off assumptions. I was like, well, it worked the first time, but even though it's a completely different heat treat, I just, I never did an actual test of that. And I had never, those are my first two times I've ever bent something to like trying to make it fail. I actually have a video that I haven't put up that I was going to put up on my Patreon of that first knife bending it to show how many times it's going to bend before it snaps. And it took a long time to make it snap, to be honest. But uh, <clears throat> no, I didn't think about that, the whole bending it kind of two-point bend. I just did it. It's funny if you watch the actual video of me doing my actual test, you'll hear Jay Hendricks in the back kind of like telling me to speed up. Come on, come, come on, come on, come on, keep going. Keep. And I was like, Mm-mm, I read the rules, brother. There's no time limit on this. I thought you were pretty fast on the, uh, on the, re- was, on the real no. one. I thought you were really fast. He wanted me to go faster, and I was like, you could see me. I was like, mm-mm. I even looked over. I was like, mm-mm, nope. And wow. another point people had made, uh, like if you watched Will Stelter do his JS thing, his handle uh, scales popped and the, the pipe came off and hit him in the face. Did you see this? No, I didn't see it. But it's, okay, it's I don't want to. I don't. Well, he put a video, up, so it's fair use. Yeah, so ahead. he had a face shield on, and he's been his knife uh, continued the distal taper throughout his handle area, and he had scales on it. So when he started bending his down, he was getting bend right at the handle. Right, and it specifically says that it doesn't. That part doesn't count in your angle. Just from where the edge starts to the point is what starts. So he had to bend the pipe down. So you know. I'm bending like this, and I stop at my 90 degree. I'm like right here. But he had to do his like here because it actually looked like a 120 bend. It was crazy. So was it because he was pipe? down? Because he was down like this? No. Yes, maybe a little. But also his scale pop. His one scale popped off, and when he was down this far, because now the pipe is up near his chin yeah. level, when the scale popped, the pipe slipped off and came back like a spring like this and hit him in the face so when i'm doing it in just sunglasses oh yeah the comments there was quite a few comments like i can't believe you didn't wear proper safety protection were, i was dude, like you, look man if, if, if you, you were, knew where I, 
<laughs> if they knew an hour before you were losing your mind, freaking out, the sunglasses yeah. the least of your worries. And I didn't get to see his video, or I probably would have. If, his, if I got to see it first. I don't know if you would. I, I don't know if you would have even remembered to put your pants on. You know, maybe, it's like maybe you... not. Maybe not. But his was a very unique situation, guys. That, And then I'm glad he had the Dude, right safety equipment. But, yeah. Stelter's, Stelter is Stelter's my guy. I tell you what, though. I can't – everything he does, I'm – for some reason, we're friends. Like, there's no reason we should be friends. But I love <laughs> Stelter. Stelter is the best. And he, I'm hoping he – Abbott and Costello's his way through JS. Like, I <laughs> I think he there's will. going to be some there's some avid Costello situation with him. He will. One last question. You did one cut. You did one uh, video edit uh-huh. where there was a little noise, and then you showed your face. Uh-huh. What was that about? Oh, it's just theatrics. That's just okay. The, 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 oh, the, oh, okay. I oh, maybe oh, there was oh some, no, so, no, no, no. Yeah, okay, like in a, the actual test. In so, the test, there was like this. In the this, test, mo- I'm cut. going down. You can't see, but I take a, like a half step back with my right foot. And I don't know what was behind me, but it was like a big pin. And I stepped on it, and it made it. I cracked it. It was like. <clears throat> so, like, I don't know if in the video it translates, but oh, well, because I'm being real with all of this, I wanted people to, to know that, like. In that moment, I literally pooped myself. I didn't, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what I, you mean. I literally thought my blade snapped, like cracked, because well, I, I stepped on a pin, like a hard plastic pin. Like, that's what. That's not a sound I mean, effect. That's what I thought, because yeah. you had said also in the video that like if the edge cracks a hair, they don't make a big thing about it. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder if that was the edge cracking. That's what I thought. I was like, well, I'm going to keep going. And then like literally like. You know but, how your mind processes things. You go to the worst place first sometimes. Then I went, oh, yeah, my boot. I just felt something. I stepped on something. It's all good. All this within one second of thought. But I wanted to kind of show it in the video that I did go, like, internally. I love that you did that because I most likely wouldn't have noticed it otherwise. You want to know something really crappy? Yes, please. That's also hilarious. So, so not – we don't get – Illy and I don't get to uh, – like interact on camera too much anymore so if all you know us is from you uh from that works youtube videos you might not know how him and i interact so one thing he did you know those little they're like little clickers that you teach your dog dog yeah yeah yeah, sure sure he bought one and had been carrying it in his pocket all week because he was hoping to be in the shop when i did my bin test so he could he could do that sound effect on me but he was never there (laughs) What yeah, a, what a rascal! He told me after the fact. He's like, you know, what sucks is that I wasn't there because, and he pulls it out of his pocket. I had this in my pocket, and he clicked it. He's like, I was waiting. Yeah, oh that's that's part of it. But it actually happened in real life. So Ilya, I don't think I ever ever even told you that, buddy. That's why he's that happened. This. He he's definitely he might he might. I tell you what. Where do I listen? How do I? What is the podcast? He's been on this goddamn podcast, swinging his hands around and <laughs> doing all sorts of stuff. I, yeah, I know yeah. all about it. Yeah. I tell you what, the, it, you've you've made it very captivating, and now that I know, because this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because I wanted to get that feeling of like. You know, this is means a lot, and it's not just because you're Matt Stagmer. It is because you know you have a you're a knife maker, and this is something that means something to you. Yeah. What's the next step before you go down to Atlanta? Well, <clears throat> the next step is hopefully my stencils show up tomorrow morning in the mail. 
and I'm going to teach myself how to electro etch my name on my blades. Uh, if not, I'll probably resort to actually engraving them. Um, we'll see. Um, a lot of hand sanding. It's going to be a lot of work. Just getting that final 5% is actually the hard, the hardest part for me anyway. Like getting stuff roughed in is pretty easy. Handles all exist now except for my dagger. I really want to make this dagger, so I'm hoping that I, I go through that. Um, I'm not too nervous. My other, The other thing that's got me kind of nervous, and only because people have kind of hinted towards it, but nobody's given me a true opinion, is I've done... I wanted... Okay, so my background is that I take historical pieces and I make modern versions of them. Most of the time I try to put myself in the viewpoint or the, the the boots, if you will, of a maker in a certain time and recreate something in my own design, but as if I was back then. Now with the ABS, this is all a very modern knife standard. There is nobody to go put yourself in the boots of. You are literally doing things. You're supposed to make these things look almost as if they're machined. That's how they want them very precise, if you will. Precision is the key. Precision and... Um, uh, Everything should look deliberate. There should be no... So, like, little decisions. Like, am I going to have my handle fit to my bolster or my guard be flush? Or is it going to be that museum or heirloom fit? And if you're going to do an heirloom fit, it can't just be wider and then rounded over. It has to still, still be a level of preciseness. It has to look very, very um, planned out in its execution. So, for me... That whole level of thinking is how I approached almost every knife in my set. But I did a frame-handled, asymmetrical coffin. I guess you shouldn't call it a coffin, but kind of like a asymmetrical coffin, curved, framed, handled, with file work and brass plates in between the wood slabs. And the guard has little clamshells on it. And it's a very much like cowboy western almost historical looking Dewey right. that I tried to make in the higher standards of today but it's probably not one I should submit because mm. I made sure that I still had I take a lot of pride in some of the imperfections in my work um, and at least I have that I don't want it to look like it's CNC made. I want my fingerprints to be visible. I want kind of like if you look at a Bill Moran knife, you know, you know it before you see his name on it because it looks like something Bill Moran made and he has a body of work and they are his work. So I kind of wanted something with that feel. And if I wasn't going to submit this Flamber's dagger, I wanted a knife that at least kind of represented the last 24 years of my life. So I decided to make this knife. Uh, I wish I had a picture to show you. I don't. Um, but it's not... You're encouraged to keep your level of detail down in your JS. Give them less to look at. They really only care about decent design, fit and finish, and uh, the ability to hand sand flawlessly. That's really all they care about. And and there's more to it. Like they want to see the plunges all, but that's all fit and finish, you know. And this one is very elaborate. And like I said, it has file work all the way around. With uh, my brass pins aren't flush to the wood. They're actually little made little round pins, so everything's sitting up on top. And it, 
it's a little more elaborate than I probably should have done. And having this is my first time I ever made a frame handle. <laughs> Once again, so many firsts. Uh, I probably shouldn't submit this, but I really, really want to. I want at least one piece that has that uh, kind of some of my past feel to it. Um, but we'll see. That one, I, I went in today to like work on this, that, and the other. I said, let me just put all those pieces back together today one last time and make sure they're flush some of the little pieces were a little off angle and i i broke out a piece of glass with you know put some 800 grit sandpaper on it and started sanding things flat and four hours later i'm not even done with that so <clears throat> there's a there's a reason why sometimes you should keep things simple because there's no point going elaborate if it's not right you but know you should so, go with your gut too yeah you know? yeah i hope people agree with me and they understand it but if they don't, I'll have five pieces that have less elaborateness to them. Here's a will. dumb question uh-huh. that I just don't know. Okay. When the five knives you submit, do they have to mm-hmm. be sharp? Nothing says they do, but yes. All right. So you so will they look at like the size of the the size of the edge? You know, nothing like says they will. Like I, like, in my mind, if I'm doing I'm just like, I might not put edges on these. If they don't need an edge, I might not put an edge on. You mean, like, just kind of put one that looks like an edge or just not even edge no, at all? No, I might just fucking leave it without an edge. Like, a, you know, I'm not going to make it like they're... I would... To me, the part of knife making that I hate more than anything is the sharpening. Me because too. that's it. That's yeah. the last part. Yeah. That's the last part, and it's like the slipperoos. And, you know, I when I make knives, I sharpen them and they immediately go into the so, shipping department so like so i'll tell you two in my things. mind i'm like two, i'm like gonna have a stroke two, <laughs> point, two points to that one most definitely make it sharp um i don't care if you make it you know razor sharp drop a feather on it and it cuts it in half kind of thing but make it sharp they want to see that some of my knives are going to have a very distinct edge on them. I'm not saying like a huge secondary bevel, but they will have that kind of thing because I made some big choppers and I made some more fine uh, little pieces. Some of them, I've literally like got them to razor sharp just through the hand sanding. Like they're basically a zero edge. I haven't really decided exactly what to do about those. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I think they do want to see that you can put a... a a symmetrical edge but it doesn't say anything about that anywhere it's not like they they're not i don't think they're allowed to like test them in any way so i really don't i don't know and i haven't so one of the things is when i set out to do this i was going to go down to brazil and hang out with franco for a month and he was going to run me through you know how to make a knife the franco way and to me i don't know if he's the best but he's He's in. He's definitely got to be considered one of the best. He's amazing, um, and he was going to kind of be my MS mentor. And I always planned it that way. And then COVID hit, and uh, Brazil's been particularly tough on travel, so I have I wasn't able to do that. Plus, I had a newborn. I'm probably not going to leave my wife for a month. Um, and I didn't. Re- I really didn't. I should have. I should have reached out to some other master smiths, but I didn't really um, do this under any tutelage. So yeah. it's, I'm really self-taught here. I've taken a lot of, you know, I've watched some of Kyle Royer's videos. Some of what he does is great. I've uh, just Googled everything I could. Some people I'd never heard of that aren't even in the ABS showing some guard fit-up tricks. 
Um, Ilya's worked with me on some uh, engraving, which I was planning on putting some hand engraving on this set. I've been encouraged not to do that. Uh, Matt Parkinson was one of the people who encouraged me not to. I was going to do some engraving and inlay. They're like, dude, there's master level engravers on this judging uh, panel. You bet if you put engraving on there, you will be judged for every level of detail you put. I don't know if you know that. So that's why they say keep it plain. Keep it simple because if you add faceting or if you add engraving or inlay you will be judged at for that they won't go oh that knife's great and it's got a little engraving and it looks good but it's not perfect but he did the rest of it great no you will fail if your engraving isn't up to snuff so just leave it off that's all master smith level stuff so i didn't do any engraving yet i may have time i may still scratch a little bit on this buoy we'll see but one thing that it did learn teach me is I got chisel and hammer control. When I say engraving, not pneumatic. This is all hand, you know, Ilya style. When I go to do my guard fit-ups, instead of using Dremels and stuff like you see Kyle and other people do to do like a a sunken-in shoulder on your guard, I'm using the gravers, which has given me a much, much more accurate way of doing it. So I can come straight down, chisel my lines in, and then work my way up to them and engrave so maybe I'm not good enough to do artistic engraving, but that, that has been, and I just learned this like three weeks ago, uh, but that being at, able to add that in has really helped me. So, Give me your honest opinion. What are your chances? I believe in you. <laughs> what do you think your honest chances are of passing are? I don't know. I really don't. I, I, I believe that I find a lot of... I feel like I'm not as stressed as I should be because I find great peace in knowing 100%, like I said earlier, these will be my best five knives. And if they don't pass, I can't be disappointed in myself because I gave it my best. And next year, I'll come back with five better pieces. No big deal. Pass or fail, I'm selling them. I'm not keeping these knives. So if I don't pass, I'm going to sell these five and I'm going to make five new ones and they will be five better than the ones before them and that what else being honest to myself what else can i possibly ask for i mean your level has to has to have risen at least dramatically i'll never go back to making crappy knives again not to say i made crappy knives i i'm really sorry to people who were fans of my work years ago i've made nice stuff uh yeah, don't want, but, don't want to get them a sending message of the return. Yeah, I want a refund. <laughs> yeah, call my brother. Call Kerry Stagmer. I'll give you his phone number. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, I definitely am finding a lot of solace in the fact that I am going to pre- be presenting my five best, and if they don't pass, it's legit because I'm not there yet. And ho- well, hopefully, hopefully it's not any bias. I've been I talked to the to the at least one of the judges and uh, really cleared the air and i think we're all on the good page and i promised that i would make videos of me forging so there's no questions there should be zero questions at this point they can see i can forge a knife might not be the best but i can do it um i'd say i have a real good shot i i'll be perfectly honest there's a few little details here and there that i gotta work on one of my knives the guard is sitting slightly um not perpendicular perfectly it's a little off kilter and i gotta get in there and i adjust that a little but all of these adjustments are very within my capabilities and i should i should pass all of the blades that i have in that set all all nine of them or i guess there's only eight right now 
um, are up to snuff. The blades are great. I'm good at making blades, and I've only gotten better because of this process. Um, I, I feel like they're all really nice blades, um, and I, I know I can still get better. But some of the the guard fit up to that level of scrutiny is is I'm learning with every piece. My first one that I made for the set, I've already decided it's not going to go in, but it's pretty good. Uh, the second one is going to make it. The third one, maybe not. Fourth is good. Fifth is good. every Every one I'm making, I'm learning a little something else. Like, there's lots of different things you can do. Just in, like, are you going to only file your guard on? Are you going to mill your rough slot, file it? Uh, are you going to forge your slot? I'm kind of doing a little comment. I'm, pl- I'm playing with everything. Are you yeah. going to do that secondary shoulder in the tang to uh, choil area? I, I I really don't like that coming from a sword maker background. I feel like that's a snapping point. Um, so I've tried a couple that way. I've tried a couple where just the tang tapers and uh, hard from the shoulder out. Um, I'm doing some hot fit where I, where I heat the guard up and I hammer it on. Then you got to go back and close the gaps a little uh, with uh, chasing tools or hammer, and then you got to resand everything. And there's so much to play with, and and there's a lot of ways to do it. It's been fun that I'm not just sticking to one. One thing I want to do before we go is I want to encourage the majority of people who don't have a twenty some years of experience or are just idiots like me. When you go into the, your JS knives, and no one, not one person has told me this, no JS, no MS, but this is what I say. Make five knives that are basically the same technique. And very, you, can, you can do a different style guard. You can do a different style thing. But do the same fit up. Do the same process and make five knives basically like that. Um, doesn't mean you won't have time to make some more down the road, but make your five initial ones basically the same technique so that you're running yourself through a set of order of operations that you've set for a process that you're familiar with and you know. Because what I'm doing is every single knife I've made is different. So I'm relearning the order of operations with every single one because I just think... I, I'm like, ah, oh, I got to make art. I'm making art here. I, I want my set to st- stand out. But really what I really probably should have done is done the same order of operations on five knives and then maybe have time at the end to make things more elaborate. But just do your, you know, same kind of guard fit up. Do your process five same times. They can all be different in profile or grind style, but... I didn't do that, and I am paying the price for it because here we are 10 days out, and I don't have a finished knife yet. See, that's interesting because, I mean, I do production, uh, you know, not really production, but production. I'm working Mm -hmm. in batches, always working in batches of 10 to 20. Yeah. So when I do one knife, I never do one knife. I'm always at the grinder with 20. I'm always at the – and what I do notice is, especially when I'm making handles and stuff like that, when you're working in those batches, it l- just everything just kind of has this like it's a fingerprint of looking the same. Yeah, and, and by like number four or five, that's when it really starts. You get to kick it up a gear because right. you got your process down, right? And then when you get to that sixth one, you realize yeah. the first one wasn't as good as the sixth one. Yeah, and 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 it, what it what it's interesting is is what you're saying is is it goes against what a lot of the you know idea of what the you know that this is art. Yeah. You know, they don't like a lot of a lot of knife makers don't like the idea of doing batches. 
they don't like the idea of doing sets because they don't enjoy the f- it's not as fun yeah. when it's more laborious yeah. well that's one of the things i actually wanted to talk to you i forgot about like i don't remember what podcast i was listening to with you but you uh, several times have brought up the the argument is knife making an art so one of the things i want to say is you might not be an artist if you make knives but there the true art in knife making and in blacksmithing is the process and the order of operations that is an art being able to uh you know figure out your like pat quinn like his style of forging is deliberate he's tooled up he's you know when i go to forge something i kind of like look around the shop and i grab something that might work and i do it but he's deliberate everything boom 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 but he could do the same part 12 times even in an elaborate part with all you know his mindset that is that's the art in this for me is the is the process it really is something and uh, figuring that out on one, let's just take knife making, figuring that process out on one style of knife, and then you can change it. One, your guard, you could do an asymmetrical guard, you could do a, a symmetrical guard, you could do just a bolster, but your process is all the same. Right. You know what I mean? You learn that. You're at the same perfect, stage. Perfect that, and just repeat that five times. Be easy on yourself. That's all the judges want to see. There's I, What I love about all of it, is and you know when I started out with this with this fucking it's not art shit, it just comes from like this place of trying to be controversial without nothing. I mean, I wasn't talking about anything really controversial. I was just yeah. There's certainly off. knife makers that are artists. I certainly. was per- I was just trying to piss a few people off, and, and sure I clearly did. did. The one thing that I've grown to love more than anything is the performative nature of all of it, yeah. and it's not like and I'm. Obviously, I have no, I'm not, you know, my friend has a CNC company. I'm totally for the robotics of it all and the, mm-hmm. the approach of all that. But there is something very, there's part of the human spirit that enacts the performative nature and the discipline and technique to execute something. That, to me, is the greatest part of forging and blacksmithing and knife mm-hmm. making and stuff like that. It's very deliberate. You're not hemming and hawing. You're being very forward-thinking. You're using techniques, and you're, not, you're very clear and disciplined. And to me, that's the art of it all, which is yeah. it's really it's the control over your own. It's a control over your impulsive nature. No, that's really I, I 100% agree. And actually, that's one of the points I wanted to make about the ABS at one point in time is so you didn't technically never have to forge a knife in front of anybody to pass any of these tests. Right. Uh, I, when you do your performance test, if the master Smith wants you to, then you have to be prepared to do that. He can ask you to forge a knife in front of him. Really? But I've always, yeah, yeah. Uh, at what stage? At the performance test. Jeez. He can go, Hey, okay. I, you know, I, you know, this knife's good. You passed your test, but I'd like to see you forge a knife. And there's reasons why he might see something in your knife where he thinks it's just stock removal or, um, you know what I mean? There's lots of reasons why he might want to just see that. And you have to be prepared to forge a knife right then and there. Do you have to and bring I, material? Uh, yeah. So you have I to brought, bring your hammer and shit? Yeah, I did. Jeez. Just in case. I had um, no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it probably rarely happens. But really what I was going to say is if it reaches that point, especially for Master Smith, you shouldn't be – I believe you should have to forge two knives. And they should be within a millimeter of each other. They, you should be able to show that you can repeat basically 
the same knife twice in forging. That's what I believe should be part of the the thing because you're not master. You're not getting the title of master knife maker. You're getting the title of master smith, master blade smith. So I think you should have to actually forge two knives for your master smith test that are within a millimeter all the way around each other. That's what I two things do. though. Two things though on that. One is I once talked to Jason. I think once again on knife talk we talked mm-hmm. to Jason Knight and I said to him. If somebody made, if somebody brought in five knives and they were stock removal really well, do you think you could tell? And he was just like, probably not. Well, that was basically what Ilya said that got me all in trouble. Well, I mean, it's like, (laughs) it it would be really, I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you'd even be able to spot some, especially if it's ground, whatever. Right, and and layered stuff you could, but mono steel, probably not. The other thing is, is in regards to the forging two. A lot of forging, when you get to the, a specific point, like I see people forging, and a lot of times on Instagram, I call it forging for the camera because it looks, it does not look normal. It doesn't look, it doesn't look, I mean, you see, when you forge enough, you see something weird in someone's stroke, you see something weird in how they're holding the material, managing the heat, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You see a lot more. Just by seeing someone swing, I kind of, I kind of appreciate that because, like, I mean, you can kind of see when someone's the swing tells you everything. Yeah, the swing tells you everything. And yeah, and, and honestly, I've, that's another reason why I filmed myself making this is because I don't do a lot of it. Right, I like to see what I'm doing. Like, I'm still a little too hunched over, and I'm still doing some shorter swings. So every time I watch myself, I've and I go to edit the video. I know, oh, I gotta stand a little straighter. I gotta stop pinching so much. Like you learn so much by filming yourself, even if you never put a YouTube video out. Just put your phone up, watch yourself forge a little, and you will learn. It's it. That's one of the interesting things. You know, it, the, when I was watching you forge, I really wasn't. I, I mean, nothing stood out to me that was like bizarre. I was focused on like that fucking hammer and trying to figure it out, <laughs> which I was like, I'll that's the one. one that's the one thing that's like I think once again I want to bring it up again is that those Japanese hammers are, you know, the head of the Japanese end or the knife making end is so much thinner so you don't hit the anvil. Otherwise you have to work the 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 bevel so the edge is over the edge of the anvil. So when you're swinging your hand, if you have a big hammer like a big old you're put a big old thing hammer, in the of your anvil. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to beat the shit out of your anvil. You're not yeah. going to touch your anvil, or you, you know, that center point of. I try to explain it to you know people. Well, forging is more like a, a pebble going in the water. Yeah, and how the how it hits the water. That first part of the pebble is what makes the ripple. And if your you know, your forging hammer is a little bit domed, so it's that center point of the dome mm-hmm. that's going to hit first, and then it's going to radiate the steel out, just like a pebble hitting the water. Right. So yeah. if your center point, if you know it's too big, if your hammerhead's too big, that's why guys like Lynn Ray use those two pound. I actually did a I actually did a poll with all these knife makers, and it was very interesting seeing the different types of hammers they're using. He likes them, the old colonial style, almost like a, those English style or or almost the Swedish style hammers. Where there's a smaller head, and it's for that idea of pinching that pinching. That, it's the same kind of it's the same kind of size, almost a little bit bigger, but the yeah. same kind of size like those German style hammers. The same size for pulling down that bevel without hitting your anvil when you're on that edge. Yeah, and it's it's kind of crucial too because if you if you go by how Ilya and I, I mean I don't. It's not really my method. I just use it um, of forging your bevels. 
you got to think of less of pulling that material out like a pinching motion. You're not like yeah. pinching. You're actually driving the material inwards. Out. You're pushing the back of your knife away from the, you know what I mean? Yeah. How that works? It's it's weird to think of it that way, but you're you're compressing the material in, not pinching it out. So you're actually angling your hammer even more. And if you did have a real square face, yeah, you, every every strike you'd be dinging the center of your anvil the right. way I do it. Yeah, I no, I I I thought I took a, I got a lot out of it. I got a lot out of that. I also got a lot out of like that. You know, it's like a cross peen hammer, but you you actually can use the other. I, most dog head hammers you can't use the other side. Yeah, true. like they're one sided hammers. And that that's the flat side. What we do on the hammers we make, well, he makes. I don't really do much of it anymore. Um, is he highly temp? tempers the back end so like, it's so it's like a set hammer yeah so you can you can use the back of that on a ch- hardened chisel and stuff and there's no damage of like well it's less damage uh right. chance of things you know breaking on your chisel and whatnot so plus yeah, it's so a, using plus it like could, a set hammer yeah plus we use it like a flatter so there's a lot of that too it's so pretty versatile so you got a lot of work to do i don't mm-hmm. know what you're doing here with me i appreciate I you know taking either. the time <laughs> what so are you going back to the shop now no, no, I'm home. Um, probably, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting ready. To, like I said, we did like a little podcast thing for this, for the halberd that we made. So I'm gonna go ahead and launch that video after this. And um, actually, I should probably plug that real quick. Do you mind? Yeah. So we, please. I actually started a second YouTube channel called That Works Two. T O O T O O. A lot of people don't know it because I really haven't advertised it. It's gonna have some more like behind the scenes stuff and more like, uh, ex. Explain explanations of things, uh, podcast style videos, some bloopers, some stuff that wouldn't make it on the more polished videos that we have on the main channel. Um, so if you guys are into seeing some of that, go on over to That Works Too and check that out. Um, should be fun. I don't know if we're going to do podcasts on podcast platforms or not, but it could happen. People have encouraged us. I just think there's enough podcasts out there. But as far as our build's concerned, I think kind of a behind-the-scenes look and giving a more in-depth kind of interview about why we did things, how we did things. Uh, it gives Ilya a chance to rant <laughs> more. Oh, yeah. So we all love to hear Ilya rant. So anyway. Well, I'll t- I tell you what. Check that I'll out. I'll tell you what. Enjoy. And one of the things I love about your YouTube videos, uh, That Works and That Works Too, is I know that you have an experience in filmmaking. And the times you've spent years have spent on you know sets and stuff like that, I can tell that you enjoy it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that a lot of YouTubers, it's the, the a lot of YouTubers go get into it because they think they're going to be famous or yeah. they think they're going to make money. And I can tell that you enjoy the editing. I can I can tell you you're really. I, love it. I can tell you do because it's like it, everything is so the, the here, beauty shots he, and the fun here's stuff. Here's the thing. The thing Go that ahead. I really love, and I know we, we're probably way over time. No, no, it's fine. Go ahead. The, really, the thing that I love is that I'm a one-man band, and I've been on TV where the, the crew, which means the people behind the cameras, has been as many as 35 people on set at once. To do man-at-arms, it was usually around 11 to 14 people all the time. And I love the challenge of being able to do – I'm not saying I'm as good as them because I am not. However, to be able to produce something at a pretty decently high level all by myself, zero teachers, just learning it myself, it's kind of like this JS journey I'm on. It's just a hell of a challenge and I love it. And maybe that's part – I don't know. I didn't realize it until now. Maybe that's part of why I love 
this whole JS journey is that it's a self-taught challenge once again and I yeah. love it and I love being able to, I don't necessarily love being on camera anymore as much as I like you'll notice in videos there's less and less of me grinding and more and more of Ilya or whoever's doing the work I really enjoy the challenge of taking a camera one guy with a camera and a couple lights and seeing what you can do with it you can make some pretty impressive videos to the point where I I'm gonna start doing a couple projects that aren't knife making related um some some more uh story based stuff I don't fiction based things and I don't want to talk about it just yet and I'm getting ready to start um working on a couple documentary series that are have nothing to do with forging so that should be interesting and kind of explore one thing that happened that was kind of fun between this podcast and the last is I took a side job to do a promotional video slash like commercial for something non-related like I actually took a video job wow uh for making like it's for a new piece of exercise equipment so I went to a gym I filmed with some athletes doing some moves I filmed with the creator of the thing I filmed with a uh uh a guy who does rehab, a doctor, uh, talking about it, and I had to make a product video, basically like a Shark Tank pitch video. And I did like three different versions for them, um, and that was – I'll probably not do that again. <laughs> However, it made me feel like, holy shit, like they found me because they like my video work, and they paid me – fairly decent amount of money to make a video that has nothing to do it's not like say you were like hey matt you know i'm thinking about doing this promo video for you know i know you do forging videos will you come do that i get that all the time for friends but this is completely unrelated just liked my style and i did it and that was i actually called my dp from the tv show who he also what he's known for is he's the uh the DP for uh, Deadliest Catch. So he goes out in Alaska on those yeah, crazy yeah. boats. And he's actually won Emmys and stuff for that. He was the he was the, uh, the the main DP on our TV show. So I called him and I asked his opinion of it. And he was like, I would change this, change that. But like, wow, man, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, oh, thank you. I felt really good. So that was kind but of But see, that, but you do these things that you like to do. Yeah. Like that's the difference the challenge you're, you're, is probably re- half of it. You, yeah, but your reasoning is your reasoning is appropriate. Yeah, like you know, it's just I, you know, people get into podcasting and YouTube videos because they think it's going to turn into something. You gotta love it, and yeah. if you don't love it, don't do it because it's yeah. like you're just there's wasting of, a lot of time and energy. And, yeah, and there's plenty of things out there that you will love, so that can get you just as much fame if that's what you're after. Like, go do something you like. So I get it. I got a question for you. Go ahead. Before we go. Go ahead. Are you a member of the ABS? Yes. But you have no intentions. I'm not in good standing. I always forget I'm not in good standing from the ABS, and I'm not in good standing from Abana. I always just happen to just not pay my bills on time. Do it. Now, I want to come here's what I would, but in a couple I always, years and interview you and hear all your – because you've made 100 knives, to, thousands of knives, so I want to – I want you to do this. I think you'd enjoy you, it. Well, here's the funny thing. Even and, if you don't I, make it public and you just do I it for yourself. I tell you what. It's funny that you say that because I want – when I Aaron Woolburn was teaching class at Center for Middle Arts a long time ago. He was getting into it. I got into the ABS. I think I am in good standing. I'm not 100% sure. be honest with you. And at some <laughs> point I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But it's just like I just – I don't really – I mean I don't really – can. I don't know – 
I don't have an answer for you. Let me maybe let someday. Me, maybe let me someday your, I want to do it. Let me be the pincushion. Let me take all the heat, and you just do it quietly for yourself. And if you get five knives, five knives together that you enjoy, submit them. But but take a here's year. Here's the thing. It's like you, but what we're talking about in terms of you do it because you love it. I don't necessarily think I'm going to love it. Like I don't I don't necessarily think I'm going to enjoy doing any of it. My my reasoning behind everything is different than everybody else's. Me too. And it's like I just don't know if I'm not 100%. Maybe down the line. I but just it's like, know it's that even my, if, it's not in my wheelhouse. I don't even think about it. One thing I want to encourage everybody whether Go ahead. They, whether they decide to do the JS test or not, try to make one knife at that level. Try it. If you're a knife maker, a hobby for business whatever, and you're you're him and hog because there are probably a lot of legitimate reasons why people don't want to do it. I had them for years. Um, I have definitely decided that this was this has been the most profound decision that I've made in my career in the last at least ten years for sure to do this. It has changed the way I look at things. So just and I went into it like, hey, I've never been taught this, so I'm kind of kind of going to do the fake it till you make it thing. Right, like, and I really approach things as fake it till you make it, and I faked it a few times, and now I'm kind of doing it. I'm kind of here, so you can do it. Not I, saying I'm you, saying, I know you can't. I'm well, saying the general person listening to this, you can do it. Try to make yourself a simple buoy with a, a an asymmetrical guard and a handle, no spacers, nothing, and do everything, and do it at a very high level. Critique yourself and. It's fun. You'll enjoy I it. Would, I, would, I would love to take an ABS class. I'm desperate to, to do I just don't have the fucking, I just don't have the time, to be honest with you. And I'm yeah, not giving excuses. I, I, I intend to do The thing myself. is, it's like, I don't really make those kinds of knives. So it's like. It doesn't matter. I know, but I mean, it's just like. Neither do I. I probably will te- never. Listen, listen to me. I'm telling you that, like, I'm being honest. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm not making excuses. It's just, I just, it's, I don't know if it's for me or not. And, 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 and it could be it could be someday listen ha- right ha- now, have me on me. again after blade show and i'll probably tell you to never right. do this again let's, and i was wrong and the avia is horrible i'm gonna have you back on <laughs> after the blade show we're gonna be before and after now you're on the hook now you're yeah. on the hook you re- you now you represent this podcast jordan oh, Lamote okay. represented this podcast last year oh. got master bladesmith oh, no. uh, james wasteland forge james fleming he's on the hook too you're representing the show now if you're Those on this show next level if you're on this show, if you have been on the show and you're testing for Will Stelter's been on the show, you're on the hook, little bastard. Yeah. You're on the hook, Will. Let's All you a, motherfuckers represent show. me now. You're making you know if you guys don't I mean you now you're representing me. So this is what I'm saying to you. You're all representing me. So don't worry about yourselves. Worry about the you know, I have a reputation to uphold. So that's it. You're right, you're right. That's fine. Listen, you know what? You can talk me into it some other time. I, I might I might take you up on it one day down. Are you the going line to Blade Show? I, you know what? I can't. I'm finishing. I'm looking at this giant sculpture, this nine foot sculpture I that I have that. to install. That's pretty cool. <sighs> I'm gonna do have to do a whole manifest. I, that's the reason. This is the last podcast I'm gonna be doing for two weeks. I'm gonna have some program. I have to talk about to the to the listener about this. I've been working on this sculpture that I have to install on the 11th, and I'm just about finished the welding, which is crazy. And I'm gonna do a whole. I been asked to be interviewed about the sculpture because it's kind of a big deal around here, but I'm not gonna do it. Because I'm going to do like a manifesto. I'm going to do my art manifesto on this show. So we'll do it by then. But at the same time, Matt, I wish you the best of Thank luck. You. 
Very excited for you. All jokes aside, we're we're all pulling for you guys. We're pulling for Matt Stagmer. He is the man. Go to follow him on Instagram, Matt Stagmer on Instagram. Go to his YouTube page, uh, That Works, and That Works 2, T-O-O. Watch their videos. He's documenting it all, man. He's documenting his being as real as can be, and he's he's interacting with the with the with the commenters, which I probably wouldn't do, but I mean, <laughs> that's the difference between you and me. And I appreciate you for being here and taking the time to be here, Matt. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. You're the man. We'll have you back after Blade Show. We'll have a whole recap. Well, uh, yeah, and then you can start to you can encourage me again. Listen, guys, this is two years and one episode straight. What I'm going to do is, I have to finish this goddamn sculpture, and I have a few things I'm going to take care of. I'm going to not do, for two weeks, I'm not going to have live programming. When I say live, it's not going to be new stuff. So here's what we're going to do. There may be a fill-in host. I'm still going to have programming. There may be a fill-in host for one episode. We're still on the, we don't know 100%. However, Nico Tavernisi from the Downward Spiral sent me a pile of old downward spiral episodes from before I was making knives when I was making sculpture when he was working on Spider-Man when he was working on these movies and he sent them to me so I'm going through I'm looking for three specific ones that I definitely want to play I have to listen to them because sometimes some of them got a little hairy and we will definitely be putting something out uh, next week it might be an old we're going to call it DSP from the vault Maybe if it works out, this will give me a little bit of time to take some time off. So get ready. We're going to have live programming, I'm sure, but it's just going to be like from the vault or we'll have another guest a couple for just a couple of weeks. Guys, I appreciate you. Go sp- you'll listen to the, go listen to, uh, you'll keep listening to this podcast. Go to wherever you listen to it. Leave five stars. Subscribe. Tell your friends. It helps me a lot and support our sponsors. Matt, give them hell down in Atlanta. We're sending you the best vibes. Let's do it. I'm with you, my man. I'm with you. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. (laughs) 